cut off our dependence vain on the help of feeble man. Every arm of flesh remove, stay, on, stay us on eternal love. May that be our prayer. Um, and in that vein, I want to ask you to turn to Psalm 34. Psalm 34, we'll look at verses 1 through 6, mainly verse 6, and title the message straight from verse 6, This Poor Man Cried. This Poor Man Cried from Psalm 34. I would believe that it would be safe to assume that there are probably two different types of people here today, maybe, maybe more, but um, in our carnal nature, there are probably uh, some of us who probably need a dose of, of, a, of the poor man. We, we may be lifted up in pride or um, self-sufficient uh, or selfish, and we live in a world where it says, celebrate pride, but God says, no, I hear the poor man. I hear the cries of the poor man. Um, or maybe you are here and you feel to be that poor man. Um, you are at the end of your rope. You need to be encouraged. You need to be pointed to hope where only hope is found, and that's in Jesus Christ. Um, you are in a desperate place, maybe of loneliness, maybe of anxiety, maybe of, of family struggles, maybe a, a loss of a loved one. Maybe you have a big decision that's weighing heavy on your mind and you just don't know what to do and you feel yourself to be poor, um, the solution for both of those problems, the solution for both of those men, the poor man, uh, or the one who needs to be more like the poor man, or the one who really feels themselves to be poor, the solution is the same, and he is found in God, in Jesus Christ. And so before I read, this is a very familiar Context, I've preached from Psalm 34 at least once here before, maybe, maybe more than once. But you'll remember this is a Psalm of David. Uh, you will remember that David, after the Lord blessed him with the strength to defeat the, the Philistine giant, Goliath of Gath, who was mocking God and mocking God's people, God used David and um, gave him mighty courage to be able to defeat the Philistine giant. And David, after that, became sort of a folk hero to the point where he had many, many military victories, uh, to the point where uh, the, they were dancing in the streets saying, Saul, who was king at this time of Israel, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And from that point on, Saul viewed King Saul viewed David with jealousy, with hatred, with rage. And from that point on, David would be running for his life from King Saul who sought to kill him. And um, I don't know if, I don't believe that any of us have ever, that we know of, have ever had somebody who is literally their, their number one goal in life is to kill you, is to find you and kill you. Uh, I hope you've never been at that point, but you have been in places, no doubt, and, and as you get older and you experience more of life, you will be in places where you are you feel to be that poor man. You, have, you don't know what to do next. Well, in his foolishness, David, in, in, in his panic and his foolishness and running from King Saul, he thinks it's going to be a smart idea to hide from King Saul by going to the city of Gath. Now, what is, what is, what's significant about the city of Gath? The city of Gath is where Goliath was from. So the big Philistine champion that David, through obviously the strength of the Lord, defeated, 
he caused a great humiliation to come upon the Philistines and no doubt the city of Gath because Goliath was their guy. He was their Elvis Presley or Penny Hardaway. I mean, he was, he was, the, he was, the, he was it for Gath. And David destroyed him. He cut off his head with his own sword. But David, in his panic, in his fear, in his anxiety, decides he's going to go to this town and maybe he will escape unnoticed. Fat chance. Well, um, Achish, who is the king of Gath, catches word that, hey, the, the guy who they said Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands, that David is here in Gath, the one who slew our champion. Well, when David heard that, that Achish, the king, found out, he was, he, it says he was sore afraid. What do you do when you're sore afraid? What do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, here's what David did. He slobbered on his beard. It says spittle came down his beard. And he went and scratched the walls. He feigned madness. He acted like he was an insane man, a deranged man. I don't know. The Lord used it to save his life. And so he ends up, he flees. After Achish sees him, he sees this deranged man. He says, get this guy out of my presence. What is he doing? And obviously the Lord can use anything. The Lord used his feigning to be a deranged man to save his life. And from that point, David flees to this cave called Adullam. And this is where the psalm is written. And I would love to read the whole psalm, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to read the first six verses. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked into Him and were lightened or were were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. I will read verse 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear Him and delivereth them. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. I just want to give two points, and really the two points are sort of saying the same thing, but I hope to emphasize it, and then close with the solution. The first point is this, and what a, what a great, glorious promise it is. And this is a God who keeps His promise. Uh, there's a song that, that says, the songwriter says, a, when, when it comes to our God, a promise made is a promise kept. That is our God. And so the first point is this. God hears the cries of the poor. God hears the cries of the poor. Note the desperation language that David is using. Now, he starts off, and you can be sure, he has, he has escaped. God has, has given him a deliverance. And so he is. yes, I will bless the Lord at all times. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. But then he says, this poor man cried. The poor man. That the poor man is the one who is at the end of his rope. Are you at the end of your rope right now? Maybe with a certain situation going on in your family or, or, or a job situation. What, you, 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 know, you know what you're going through. You know the context. And God knows. 
Do you feel yourself to be at the end of your rope and you are in desperation mode? Well, let me tell you this. If you are there, cry to God. God hears your prayers. Note in verse 7, I just read it, the, 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 the desperation language that David uses. He says, "...the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear Him and delivereth them." He would say in verse 15, "...the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and His ears are open unto their cry." God hears the cry of the poor. Verse 17, He would say, "...the righteous cry..." And the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. God hears the cry of the poor man. The poor man, brothers and sisters, is the humble man. The one who is humble. The one who is not self-sufficient. The one who knows, God, I don't have it all together. I am desperate. I am needy. I am lowly. God hears those cries. And on the flip side, and this is, this is scary and it's a wake-up call because I've, I've at times been here, I've not been the poor man in the sense of maybe I wouldn't just say it, I don't need you God, but in practically, I, was, I, I live that way sometimes. I live in the way of self-sufficiency. But in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 8 It says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is His delight. He would say, I assume Solomon, in verse 29, he would say of Proverbs 15, the Lord is far from the wicked, but He heareth the prayer of the righteous. And then in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 9, He would say, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. He that turneth his his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be disgusting to God. God hears the cries of the poor. He hears the poor man. He does not hear the proud man, the haughty man, the self-sufficient man. He hears the cries of the needy, the lowly, the desperate. And so my question for you and I, to, so we can soul search, hopefully, and really prayerfully consider this, is do we share, do we have, do you feel a desperate need for Jesus Christ? Do you feel yourself to be poor in spirit? Maybe we have lost that because we, have, we live... Many of us, I know I have, lived charmed lives. We live blessed lives for the most part. We live lives with much affluence. I mean, food just is on the table. I've never had a want for really anything, any basic necessities, and even more than just basic necessities. Does it sometimes take a trial, a discomfort, maybe even a tragedy to make us really see our need for God, for the thrice holy God? He hears the cries of the poor man. It says, David would say in the last part of Psalm 51.7, A broken and contrite heart, O God, Thou wilt not despise. Aren't you thankful for that? In Psalm 34, verse 18, it says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth 
such as be of a contrite spirit. That literally means crushed in spirit. Do you feel yourself to be crushed in spirit, maybe over your sins, maybe over guilt in your own life, in my own life? God hears those prayers. The secret to happiness. Don't we want to know the secret to happiness? Jesus gives it in, in the Beatitudes and, and in other places. But He says in Matthew 5.3, the word for blessed is happy. It literally means happy. So He says, happy are the poor, or blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of, of, of heaven. Blessed are the meek, in Matthew 5.5, 5, for they shall inherit the earth. I want to encourage us. Let this be our prayer. Lord, bless me to cultivate a heart of humility, a heart of neediness for You. Make me to to see my need for You. Make me to be more like the poor man. And I have really good news. God hears you. I've said this at camp, and I've said this here before. But it's as if when the, the uh, King Hezekiah was praying there, the king of Judah, when Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, was at the height of his power and he was destroying everything in sight and he basically wrote a letter to Hezekiah and said, give up now, I'm coming for Jerusalem and there's nothing you can do to stop me. And I have the proof. Check the footage, watch the film, ask all these kings who I've defeated. You have no hope. So Hezekiah prays. He cries out to God. And after he spends time worshiping God, Lord of hosts, God uh, uh, that dwelleth between the cherubims, You are God alone. You are the Maker of heaven and earth. He then says, O Lord, incline Thine ear and hear. And it's as if when he says, incline your ear, it's as if God is cupping His ear and getting almost nose to nose to you, to my child and saying, now, now, Kiefer, what was that you were saying? I'm listening to you. I have my because un- I'm God. God has His undivided attention on His children, His blood-bought children. He is attentive, brothers and sisters. Imagine David, who has a rock for his pillow. Kids, we have nothing to complain about. David, when he was fleeing from Saul, literally would go from cave to cave to cave and have a rock for a pillow to sleep on at night. So imagine David on a rock trying to get a little bit of sleep. Being that poor man. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. Psalm Psalm 10.17 says, The Lord hears the desire of the humble. He's not distracted like you and I can be. I love the thought from Charles Spurgeon, and it's so true. He, he, he says it's, it's as if when God hearing, God attentively hearing the cries of, of, of His humble children and inclining His ear, it's like the mother's ear for her baby. Now, I can be dead asleep and have no idea that my wife was up six different times because she heard a peep in the other room. There's something innate about a mother's ear for her babies that 
at times fathers don't even have or, or, or can't really relate to. That's the ear in the human way to understand it. That's the ear that God has for you, humble sinner, humble, contrite sinner. He hears you. He gives attention to you. Psalm 84.11 says, The Lord God is a sun and shield. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, do you really believe that? Listen to that again. It says, The Lord God is a sun and a shield. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. That is a promise from God. The Lord hears the cries of the poor. And then the second point, and again, this is sort of saying the same thing. God's promises are only for a certain type of people. I want you to notice notice the language here. God's promises, the promise that God hears the cry of the poor, they're only for a certain type of people. Notice the language here in in verse 7. Listen to this. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about who? Them that fear Him. Verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy or blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. His promises are for those who fear Him. Those who trust in Him. Notice verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want or shall not be in need of any good thing. And again, I mentioned, I'll mention again, verse 18, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. If you're seeking the Lord, if you're trusting in Him, fearing Him, if you have a broken heart, these promises are for you. Brother Thomas pointed this out to me last week from Proverbs 15 where it says, this is amazing because you know yourself, you know your thoughts, I know my thoughts, how sinful, how wicked they can be. Yet, if you are a blood-bought child of God, fearing the Lord, trying to seek the Lord, yes, in our own imperfect ways, Proverbs 15 verse 26 says, The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. Think about that. If you are here and you are pure, it is because you've been made pure by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the sovereign call, the sovereign election of the Father, the sovereign redemption of the Son, and then the sovereign calling of the Holy Ghost. And your words are pleasant to God. Think about that. He delights to hear from you. He gets nose to nose to you, as it were, and wants to hear your cry. Verse 15, I'll repeat it again. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and His ears are open unto their cry. This is an amazing promise, brothers and sisters. If you are here 
and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it's because you have been made righteous by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Our very best, like Isaiah says, is a filthy rag. It's a dirty rag. That's the best we have. The best we have is filth. That's the best we have to offer. But because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ that willingly condescended to earth to bear the weight, the guilt of all the sins of His people, then this is you. This is you. You are the righteous. You are the pure. You are the upright. Job 36 says, He withdraw... Listen to this. I'm doing it too fast. He, talking about God, withdraweth not His eyes from the righteous. Think about that promise. God does not withdraw His eyes from you, believer in Jesus Christ. I love my children. I, I, I would give my life for my children. I love as, as much as I can to, to make them happy and to, to do nice and kind things for them. But I can't, in all honesty, say I withdraw not my eyes from my children. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinful father. I'm a sinful parent. I'm an imperfect father. But the Heavenly Father, believer in Jesus Christ, does not withdraw His eyes from you. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and delivereth him, saveth him out of all his troubles. Well, I want to give a, a, a somber reminder before I close, and just remind us that yes, the, these promises are, are great, and, and the Lord's promises are yes and amen, and the word of the Lord standeth forever, and His word is truth, and He's a God who cannot lie. And so it's true, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. But, this does not mean that David lived happily ever after. This, is not, this, this did not spell the end of David's troubles. Not by a long shot. He will continue to have trouble with King Saul. And then, as we know, because of his own sin, he will have tragic consequences, trouble, rape, death, a loss of a child, even in his own family. So this is, not, this, this is not saying this poor man cried and all his wildest dreams came true. There were still tough times for David, and there, still, there will be tough times for you and I. But I believe David is teaching what Paul taught, what was mentioned this morning is that through those trials, through the trouble, through the anxiety, through the sickness, through the loss of a child or a loss of a job or a loss of a loved one or family trouble, through that, my grace, God would say, is sufficient for you. So through the storm... There is light. Maybe not in a way that you and I would prefer, but His grace is sufficient. And that is why the solution is the same for one of two, if you're here tonight. If you are sufficient in yourself and you need a dose of the poor man, or again, if you see yourself 
to be just poor and needy and you see your desperate need, the solution is the same. And His name is a strong tower. And the righteous runneth into it and is safe. His name is Jehovah. His name is Jesus Christ. In verse 18 of Psalm 34, I'm sorry, verse 19 and 20, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Listen to this. This is talking about the greater David. He keepeth all his bones. Not one of them is broken. That's talking about the greater David on the cross of Calvary who lived a perfect life and then who was stricken, smitten, and afflicted, see Him dying on the tree, tis the Christ that I rejected, that man rejected. Yes, my soul, tis He, tis He. Tell me, ye who hear Him groaning, was there ever grief like His? Friends through fear His cause disowning, foes insulting His distress. Many hands were raised to wound Him. None would intervene to save. But the deepest stroke that pierced Him was the stroke that justice gave. Ye who think... Man, when we sang this, this line right here, this, this really convicted me. Ye who think of sin but lightly, nor suppose the evil great, here may view its nature rightly, here its guilty, here its guilt may estimate. Mark the sacrifice appointed, see who bears the awful load, tis the Word, the Lord's anointed, Son of Man and Son of God. But then, here we have a firm foundation. Here the refuge of the lost. Christ, the rock of our salvation, is the name of which we boast. Lamb of God for sinners wounded. Sacrifice to cancel guilt. None shall ever be confounded who on Him their hope have built. That's the solution, brother and sister. That's the solution, poor man. The solution is in the one who is stricken, willingly stricken, smitten, and afflicted. The physical pain, and then the mental pain of justice, of being forsaken by the Father. To, to um, I forget the, the phrase that Brother Thomas used, uh, to absorb, to absorb all of your sins, believer in Jesus Christ, on Himself, on Himself, who bore your filth, my filth, on Him. Because of that, cry out to Him. He hears your cry. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank You. I thank You that we can cry out to You. And Lord, I pray that we would, I pray that I would cry out to You in a humble way as one who is completely hopeless in and of myself. And one who my hope rests in the firm foundation, the refuge that is in Jesus Christ. 
Lord, there are those who are poor tonight. There are those who are under a heavy weight, whatever the heavy weight is. Lord, would You draw nigh to them? Would You, angel of the Lord, encamp round about those that fear You? Set up camp around them, O Lord. And Lord, for those who are not poor in spirit, those who are not trusting in You, O Lord, I pray that You would turn their hearts to You, crush hard hearts, and make them soft. And Lord, we thank You for Your Son, who not one of His bones was broken, but endured the guilt, despised the shame, for the sake of sinners. Lord, we thank You. Bless us to love You more. In Jesus' name, Amen.